This episode of Beer and Bullshit is brought to you by Woodhouse Brewing Company, where they believe simplicity is a good thing. Try their lager, IPA, stout, and new raspberry sour, all available at the LCBO. It's time to grab that bull by the horns. It's Wednesday, January 20th. It's Beer and Bullshit. Welcome, Babbers. New submission for what to call the Beer and Bullshit superfans. Beer and Bullshit, B-A-B-S. Babbers. Don't know about that one. What's up? January 20th. It's a difficult month uh, for a lot of people. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about everyone who has a friend that's doing Dry January. Uh, A lot of people doing Dry January this year. Because it's a little easier, maybe. A little easier to stay home. A little easier, maybe, not to be peer pressured. Certainly easier this time to be someone not doing dry January. Because they don't have to hear about people who can't hang out or meet me at a bar. Because they're doing dry January. So, that's nice for me. I'm able to just dial up some alcohol for delivery in my pandemic sweatpants and drink that having to hear about how great people feel not drinking. Seems to be a controversial subject this year. I don't know why. Maybe because we all have more time to sit at home and think about it. A lot of people very opinionated about dry January. Uh, I will say this. Don't ask people if they miss it. If you know someone who's doing dry January, just say, don't you miss it? That's uh, number one, rude. And number two, of course they miss it. It's drinking alcohol. It's wonderful. You're better off to just not bring it up at all. Or, uh, as I do, don't even talk to your friends that are doing Dry January at all for a month. Do both of you a favor. Okay? And for those of you that are doing uh, Dry January, I respect that. I understand the motivation to dry out for a month. to give your body a little detox uh, and to abstain you know use a little self-control but uh i also want to say stop it's january 20th you okay you can just drink you did 20 days we get it you're better than us we understand whatever health benefits you wanted to get you got them you wanted to talk about it on social media you did that have a drink okay january 20th crack a fucking beer already okay thanks Enough of that bullshit. Let's get on with the show. Great interview this week uh, for the Pell heads out there. Chris, the man, Pellerin, was able to join me for this interview while we talked to Erica Campbell. Erica Campbell has been in the beer industry for eight-ish years and is also the co-founder and owner of the Society of Beer Drinking Ladies. I really enjoyed chatting with Erica for a couple reasons. Uh, first and foremost, I think that Erica and her work and the organization she co-founded has done a lot to bring women uh, into the craft beer industry in Ontario. And uh, I think unless you are an asshole, you would agree that's a good thing. Um, number two, it's nice to talk to a beer rep because it's not something that uh, we beer nerds think about a lot. The actual business of selling the thing in the glass as opposed to just the quality of the thing in the glass and how it's made. Um, It's always interesting to hear about people who are on the front lines of selling craft beer. And uh, 
frankly, it made me want to have more beer reps on this show uh, talking about life as a beer rep. And it wasn't intentional, but I think it's great to be talking about bringing more women into craft beer on a day when the United States of America is about to inaugurate their first female vice president ever. Big day. Total coincidence. But here we go. Talking about the Society of Beer Drinking Ladies on a pretty awesome day for ladies. So shout out to the ladies. Yeah, I got to end it on a stupid note like that. Anyway, uh, here's Erica. She's a great guest. Have a listen. What are you drinking there? Um, I've got the Aveling Pills. And nice. uh, yeah, have you had anything from Aveling before? I feel like I have, but I can't remember. Yeah. They're, they're kind of like the closest brewery, I think, to my place. I have probably about a kilometer away. So I frequent them a lot. And it's really cool. They have like a rooftop garden and um, like a really cool kitchen and everything. And I feel they opened and then like COVID hit. And I feel like they haven't been able to really showcase like how amazing they are because they're awesome. So yeah, rocking the pills a lot. Nice. Yeah, I've heard yeah. good things. Yeah. Uh, more than yeah. ever, it's about the brewery that's 10 minutes away from you these days, Yeah, right? it's like, pretty much, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Left Field and Abling, you know. you got some pretty good so, options. I'm pretty lucky. I've got Godspeed <laughs> close, you know, I've got Eastbound, so nice. I can't complain. Yeah. Uh, nothing nothing walkable for me, unfortunately. Oh, no. there's Chris. Well, let's admit him and... <laughs> Imagine you don't. You're like, yeah. Just let him hang out. Yeah. Hi, Chris. Hello. Hi, Chris. I, how are you, Erica? Wonderful. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Just uh, just going to get on video. It's not fair when someone's on video and somebody's not. <laughs> right? It's just uh, so imbalanced. We were just talking about how unprofessional you are. <laughs> so late, Chris. So late. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, with Cards <laughs> Against Humanity Family Edition, just dealing with the meltdown every oh. time. Every time. <laughs> every Ends in a meltdown. Time. Yeah. Somebody's nice. cards suck every time. Oh, man. We've been rocking Clue, Liar's Edition, and I am just kicking everyone's ass. <laughs> undefeated. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't wait to do all this stuff. Yeah. It's so, great. Chris, when is, Erica, when is your Erica partner Chris, do? by the way. Oh, hi, hi, hi. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Erica. Hi. Uh, you guys Kate? are friends? You guys are, like, childhood friends? or? Yeah, we've known each yeah. other since kindergarten, and uh, now Chris lives around the corner. We grew up in the same neighborhood. Chris yeah. moved away for university. Uh, I went to Toronto for 10 years and now we both circled back and we're like two blocks apart. That's cool. That's the short version. It's a nice little story. Super romantic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, my wife is due in like five weeks. So we're, you're in it. Yeah. Yeah. So so hopefully it all comes back to me because I don't remember (laughs) the first one. (laughs) One year. That's not, you're not one year yet even, are you? No, she's six months. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm like in it as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's great. It's the best. It's awesome. Yeah, it's so. the craziest time, but it's yeah. just the chaos, but you have to be okay with chaos. And if you're okay with chaos, it's great. Yeah, and then you just throw in pandemic baby and, you know, it's just a whole other element. Of Here like we go. <laughs> COVID baby, man. It's crazy. So so but, you're, yeah. you're on leave from Henderson. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm on mat leave. So I'm, I think I applied slightly late. So I think I started in August. Uh, she was born June 23rd on my birthday. Um, nice. So we share a birthday. Uh, so I'm like in the middle of mat leave from Henderson. Yeah. So 
I don't want to make this about Matley, but I'm really curious yeah. about the brewing industry and maternity leave. Like, is that, yeah. Are they decent? Or is it like pretty variable from brewery to brewery? Like, yeah, I mean, I just, I just applied like EI style. So, um, okay. but I, and I'm obviously guaranteed a job, my job or a job when I go back. Right. Um, but yeah, Henderson's been great. There's, um, three women actually from Henderson all on mat leave right now. So we all, there's something in the water over there. I don't know, but we all, <laughs> we all had uh, babies around the same time. So, so maybe we should back up because we jump right ahead to your current job. You've been in. The- <laughs> yeah. Let's just like, usually I like to go in order. <laughs> My brain works in chronology, but you've been. Oh, okay. in- yeah, me too. Okay. Let's just. You've been in the industry since like, what I was going to say 2012. Approximately. Yeah. That sounds okay. about right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we, I think that's when we met, you were at Black Oak and for some reason we were the speakers at, I think Crystal got us involved as being speakers at something like teach people how to talk about beer or something. You don't even remember. It was, <laughs> it was obviously yeah. really memorable. Was it, a, was it, a, I think an orchestra event? It was like a marketing yes, event. Yeah. 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 I vaguely remember that. And I, um, drank, I was talking about 10 bitter years. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So that was the first time you think we met. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I have a terrible memory. I was hoping yeah. you'd be able to be like, actually, no. <laughs> it was 2011. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Black Oak, that would have been that time. So So you were at Black Oak for a while before the Society of Beer Drinking Ladies started? Um, I started the Society when I was at Black Oak. Right. Um, I actually started in the beer industry. If we want to rewind a little bit more, I started at Great Lakes, actually. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So I um, am trained as an educator. And um, I always just thought that that was my path. I was going to work with kids. I was um, trained as a teacher. And I just fell into taking like a tastings and events job at Great Lakes. And I remember Dave Beeman uh, interviewed me at uh, David's Tea at Queen and Spadina. And I had never poured a pint. I had never worked at a bar, but I was like, this sounds kind of fun. And so I worked, you know, part-time casual doing like LCBO tastings and whatever for Great Lakes for like over a year. And then, and then I worked, uh, I took a mat leave actually at Black Oak. I took over for Sonia North, who uh, is Victor North's partner. Yeah. Uh, Victor started uh, Garden Brewers. Yep. Yeah. So she was like, I'm going to go on mat leave. Do you want my job? And Ken was cool with it. And so I just kind of, you know, left Great Lakes and snowballed into working at Black Oak. So did you go from Black Oak to Henderson? Was there something in between? Yeah, there was uh, collective arts. Oh, right. Of course. Yeah. I was there for about two years. Yeah. Always all three of those as a rep. Well, obviously not like a brewer, but (laughs) Um, (laughs) Black Oak was, I think the role was technically like brewery coordinator, which uh, it was a staff of, I think about four or five at the time, Um, really, really small. So I just put on every hat. It was one of those fun jobs where you could kind of be like a Jill of all trades, so to speak. And um, what I saw was that the big glaring gap at Black Oak was people, we needed to sell beer. Like we needed to sell more beer. We needed to, um, get more beer out the door. Um, and so I really just kind of created a sales role for myself and started pounding the pavement and 
traveled all over Ontario, asked Ken for his um, old minivan and started driving around in a, I think it's a 2003 Toyota Sienna with like over 300,000 kilometers. So nice. we call it, I called it the loser cruiser and, uh, <laughs> you know, went to London one day, went to Guelph one day, went to Ottawa a couple days, you know, and just really like went around the province selling beer for a while. So, and then collective arts was straight sales. And then Henderson is pretty much like straight sales as well. So, right. And we're, we have avoided yeah. talking about your pretty massive side gig, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I want to talk about the society of beer drinking ladies that came up sure. in 2013. Cause obviously as you were in, you know, job two and a couple roles in the beer industry, uh, there's probably another gap you notice right away. And there's, there's a lack of female representation in any breweries, right? Yeah, definitely. Especially then, but there's always room to grow still. Um, yeah, I mean, I was at Black Oak with only um, guys. And then I was obviously seeing that as like a common thread at most breweries at the time, especially. So, and I was also meeting some pretty cool women. I was meeting Bridget Young, who was the brewer at um, the Mill Street Brew Pub at the time. I was meeting Siobhan McPherson, Mary Beth, who you interviewed last week. Um, you know, uh, Caitlin Vanderbosch, who's still kicking ass at Mill Street. And um just meeting cool women and so I was like is there a way that we can all like connect and hang out and just have like kind of a a space to uh share beers and learn and talk to each other and that was kind of what we thought I thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be like a you know um hanging out in our living room type thing drinking some beers so right. it definitely uh exploded or snowballed fast but that was kind of and you know what to be honest it was I think you were part of this um I got it kind of loosely based on Cass's Saloon League. Oh yeah. Um, and I think you were kind of part of that, right? Ish? I think or I you would attend one. them or yeah. They were like and intentionally I, secretive about it to make it yeah. cooler than it really was. And then you're like, this is just some fucking people drinking beer. <laughs> I know. And I didn't really like, I never went to one. I didn't really get what it fully was, but it sounded so cool. And I remember like there was talk that like beer was coming from the States, like cool kegs from founders and different breweries yeah, yeah. at the time. And, and so not that I didn't feel excluded, but I just felt like, oh, I don't really know those people. I don't feel like I can go to that event. So like, maybe I could do that with like, just women, you know? Yeah. That was kind of the like vague, you know, idea behind it too. So. Well, I mean, anyone who'd been in beer for a little bit of time had heard the concept of a, there should be an event just for women. You're like, yeah, the, the events are pure dude fest why would like why would you want to go yeah as, as you're talking with two guys with facial hair i was gonna be like with two dorks with beard, like a bunch <laughs> of but like it made yeah. sense so the first one was pretty small right you said the concept was basically just some women drinking beer and that's kind of what it was yeah i approached um four women i approached jamie dobbs who's my who currently owns it still with me um and uh magenta suzanne um jen reinhardt who's at great lakes now and renee navarro who you've also interviewed mm -hmm. and um and we we kind of set out to create a a little event in jamie's uh toronto apartment in her living room and we put tickets on sale and we kind of joke that when we logged into Eventbrite to create the event, we didn't know how to cap tickets. So we just like let them run and we had sold over 90 when we looked like 72 hours later. So obviously, oh. as you know, we couldn't fit that many people in a Toronto apartment, right. <laughs> let alone a London house, you know? So um, we had to get an event, you know, SOP, a permit, and we had to figure out how to 
you know, how to buy beer on license and how to get an event space and that pretty fast, you know. Yeah. So it was it was 90 people right off the bat. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty big for just let's cool. try this thing. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like the naivety of like we'll just figure it out as we go like looking back on it you're probably like yeah i wouldn't want to do that now but oh my gosh yeah we had i think it was ten dollars and it was all you can drink which is really ridiculous (laughs) 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 and i think a lot like i remember nicole from sweetgrass she as obviously a female business owner was like this is so cool i'll give you a 58 liter keg um and like i worked at you know i worked at black oak and ken was like sure you can have some nut brown bottles so we had a lot God, was of... everyone just trash <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got to go back and see that photo album it was sloppy you know so i remember yeah and i remember we also were like let's have an after party at the dominion pub af- like after midnight and so that totally bombed nobody showed up you know right. it was uh so we've definitely yeah we were kind of accidentally trying things and seeing if they stuck or not but um, but yeah, the, the basic concept was for, was called a bevy and we did it then the last Friday of every month for like four years. Um, and wow. before COVID hit, we just did bevy 44. So we did, uh, 44 events, which is insane to think back now. That's crazy. Yeah. So I, I want to talk back to the beginning. Cause I was saying like, it seems like a no brainer. But there was a lot of people that, that for some reason were really pissed off. I remember like writing about this early on because like, oh, what a cool idea, a group just for women. And then people were like, oh, do I need a group just for men? Like I, yeah. I still remember like the stupid response. Like why do people care? Like you shouldn't yeah. be allowed to have an event just for women. That was. Totally. Do you still get that kind of shit? You know, I feel it's, it is overall better. You know, like um, where we, we don't get it really on social uh, I feel the social communities uh, changed quite a bit. Um, it's quite supportive, but I feel that when we do external activations, again, pre-COVID, like when we were at Toronto Festival of Beer, or we, um, I often find too, when we leave Toronto, like if we do an event in Ottawa, um, we pop up and sell our merch at the Ottawa Beer Festival or something. That's where you get a little more like, and it's always men that are, white over 60 over 65 that come up and they just want to like cause some shit you know and they just don't get it they just really don't get it like they think it's um offensive almost like why can't i be a part of this right. you know and it's well. and so it's just really being calm and rational and explaining what we're about and also explaining that we brew a lot of beer like you can still support us by like drinking our beer just because you can't come to our events we still do lots of other things that you can be part of our community, you know? So really I like to flip it positive and I don't like to kind of rip into these people. I like to kind of treat it as a moment to like, you know, have a little quick discussion with them. Right. That's yeah, where you're training. training <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's frustrating for sure to, to see that that kind of mindset still exists, but uh, usually we can end the conversation pretty, pretty mutual. But that's fair, though, right? I yeah. mean, white men over 60 are probably yeah. the most inclusive group in society. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So they're not, they're not used to being told they can't do things. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But again, there's also been so many amazing men that have come up and been like, this is awesome. I'm going to buy a sweatshirt for my granddaughter or my wife. Like there's the the more the positive experiences far away the negative for sure for sure that's good there there it is open to men like after midnight and i was i think i talked yeah. about this with ren 
I was like, yeah. does anyone ever take up <laughs> on that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we, we definitely in Ren's time too, like the first three years or four years that she was with us, um, we did make that a point, like, because our events started at seven or eight. So at midnight, we had a like kind of a faux rule, like men allowed at midnight. Mm -hmm. And we always joked like, oh gosh, it's going to be like the one time, like it's going to get out on Reddit or Tinder or something that like, <laughs> I don't know, men are going to show up in droves or something crappy is going to happen. But it was always just like some boyfriends, um, some guy friends picking up their partners or whatever. Like it was always really fun. Or like industry reps, like Mick from... Uh, Oast House would show up a couple times or I don't know just different guys that we knew yeah, yeah. Um, now we kind of a lot of our events kind of like end at 11 or end at midnight we've kind of shifted it so we haven't done it in a while to be honest um, and I just don't think there's that much of a need for it too but we kind of did it to kind of silence some of the dudes that would be like this is not I'm not allowed to come we'd be like yeah you can you can come after midnight right. you know <laughs> yeah so <laughs> so that's grown i mean 44 events you've had 91 at your first how much has it grown in terms of the attendance mm -hmm. um an average bevy now in toronto is about 400 to 500 wow so obviously that's challenging for finding event spaces and just we got a security and like everything just becomes bigger but yeah um yeah the last one we did was february 2020 and it was 400 plus at junction which is such a cool space in st Clair and uh keel in toronto but uh and then twice a year we blow it up even more and we do lady beer festivals and those are over 1200 women wow um and that's we find witchwood barns which i know you you know well like it's kind of uh that's been our favorite venue. It's the indoor outdoor good flow. And it's been like, that's where we, that's where I get to be really like creative. We have burlesque dancers and comedian lineups and um, tarot card readers. And it's just this cool, like ecosystem of like, it's not even a beer festival, really. It's just like this women awesome, <laughs> you know, community festival. So nice. it's a lot of work, but it is really cool to see it all like unfold. Nice. Yeah pretty awesome that sounds awesome why can't i come <laughs> <laughs> you can work for a brewery you know it is really cool when like we have like 10 or 12 breweries pop up and you know pour their beers for the festival and it's always great to have uh when guys work it they just leave so happy and so uh blown away by how cool it is to just have a space with all women you know women leave super jazz they're like this is so cool i've never been in a space with all women but then obviously guys working it too they're just like that was really fun um so it's cool to hear all those comments too nice yeah i never yeah. did even back then midnight <laughs> when i was in toronto midnight was too late for me <laughs> <laughs> it's like pretty much too late for me i'm like passed out by the yeah uh no we're, we're usually home around three for those events they're, oh, they're God. a lot of work yeah wow. but uh and it's weird it's like now with a baby and um during a pandemic i'm like wow that seems like so long ago. And also I can't believe we worked that hard. Like, do we ever want to do this again? I don't know. I know I need to wear like jeans. Like it's crazy. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's a lot. I don't know where, I mean, it's just, it's so hard to even know when events will kickstart again, you know, to even think about it right now. So who knows? And you guys have done not just the events and the festivals, but uh, a number of collaborations now too, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, we um, we brew a lot of beer. So um, it kind of, I think the first beer we ever brewed was at Great Lakes um, or maybe Junction. But uh, yeah, we did like a beet pale ale. I remember hop to the beet and it was like a hoppy beet pale ale at Great Lakes and uh, with on the really small little nano system. And then, um, yeah, we just kind of have snowballed um, pre-COVID. We were doing one a month pretty much. And that's a charitable uh, collab. So we donate money to the Canadian Women's Foundation. Um, they're good to have at our events, our own collabs. And then uh, and then we struck a bigger partnership with Henderson. Um, so that's our LCBO SKU. We have a beer at the LCBO, which is pretty cool. Nice. So it so sounds like... I don't like, have to create my own brewery. <laughs> I was going to say, but <laughs> it sounds now. like it's gotten kind of lucrative right i mean this is just a business this was supposed to be like an occasional event and now it's like <laughs> yeah yeah we're like accidental entrepreneurs for sure it's been fun what has been the biggest uh the biggest change you think you've seen since you started it to the maybe the last one you did the biggest change like in the events i would say um i think there's more we're trying really hard to bring diverse activations like i really don't want to see a wave of white women at our events Jamie and I are obviously white business owners. So that's something that we're trying really hard to um, diversify. You know, the more interesting entertainment we have, the more um, interesting beers and interesting food we have. So it's not just burgers and tacos and like basic food. Like we bring in a Parkdale pop-up, you know, it's not just the cool hip food trucks. It's like, what are the mom and pop guys that you know, want to come out that are making momos or something like that in Parkdale and really trying to create like a ethnic, um, ethnically diverse, like inclusive festival. I would say that's, that's always on the top of our mind. So I think we're getting better at it. I want to obviously keep pushing that when we can do events, but I think that's something I've seen is hopefully less white women and more, more, um, LGBTQ plus folks, more, um, more people of color, things like that. You know, that's something that means a lot to me. And I really hope that we're the leaders in making that kind of happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm just thinking like, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you so many questions about being a woman in beer. Okay. I didn't ask a single man that's ever been on my show, but it's like, <laughs> to be, okay. it's like, I'm yeah. fortunate that when I have you on, like when I had Ren on, like we have to talk about issues. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, I want to talk to you about being a mom in beer. I'm like, I've never asked a guy what <laughs> yeah. it's like to be a dad in beer. It's so it's such yeah. a like double standard. Oh, that's okay. No, and, and that's Ren's world. You know, that's what she specializes in now. And um, and that's okay. And I feel like, you know, some of your interviews, it just comes up with men too. Like Bim was talking about his kids and things like that. And yeah, that's yeah. Okay. Yeah, all good. Ice. Cold beer, ice. Hey, uh, hey, what are you, uh, what are you doing? Oh, hey, Chris, I'm, uh, I'm just excited about ice cold beer. Well, clearly, you said it a number of times, and the show is all about beer. No, no, ice cold beer uh, from Leftfield Brewery. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Brewed with barn owl, malt, barley, and wheat, uh, VQH Farms, Cascade Hops, and Escarpment Labs yeast. Leftfield Brewery's ice cold beer is a 100% Ontario ale through and through. It's seriously great without being too serious. Well, good thing because we're not too serious, but crushable. Much like us, crisp and refreshing. And it goes perfectly with baseball. It is a bleacher beer. That is a new beer category I'm inventing, bleacher beer. Well, now I want ice cold beer. 
Well, Chris, you're in luck. Baseball might not be here right now, but this beer sure is. Ice cold beer is available now for home delivery in Toronto and in select other markets with the left field fan shop orders of 45, over 45 bucks and is now available at your local LCBO and grocery stores. Well, that sounds pretty convenient. It's very convenient. As an added bonus, Beer and Bullshit listeners can keep your ice cold beer ice cold for longer. Use the promo code BULLSHIT on any order over $45 in the Left Field Brewery online fan shop and get a free ice cold can koozie. Koozie must be 19 years or older. Available while supplies last. Ice cold. No, no, we're done. We're done. That's it. So... What do you like? What do you think needs to happen? I'm not. I'm like we we can admit it's not perfect yet, but I mean like you're having events. It's obviously Mm -hmm. more inclusive to female consumers. Mm -hmm. What do you think needs to happen to make it more? Like, do you think by having more female consumers or women coming to these events, they're going to migrate to working in beer eventually? Is that kind of the idea? Like, how do you get more women working in beer? I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's tricky. You know, I think I think we do help that to be honest um i get brewery owners that call me saying hey i have this person that's applying for a taproom job or a marketing job or whatever she says she volunteered at your events like people are actually putting that on the resume as like kind of and i'm not telling them to like people are like oh okay i slung beer at six bevies like that's got to be worth something sure um so i think we're we're helping that for sure. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I feel like, I feel like we're fix it, Erica, fix it. Yeah. 2021, 50, 50. Here we go. So, yeah, I think you're helping by, yeah. I mean, you're creating more passionate beer drinkers uh, and people interested in beer that are female. Uh, and if there wasn't an Avenue before you can be around like-minded people and, you know, know beer and learn beer better. And that's, that's how you're going to get people that, have the same passion as some of the other people that are already in the industry. Yeah, that's a good point. And I feel like we give people just like confidence to just do it. Like you don't have to go to school for it. You don't have to, you know, be this like world renowned brewer or like have a master's in a marketing degree or whatever. Like just if you love beer and you want to work at a brewery, just like try it out, you know? And I think that people get that confidence from coming to our events. Like it doesn't have to be like, exclusive and and pretentious you know mm-hmm. so so what do you think is still like uh, the biggest barrier to entry for women in beer like for brewers like i think a lot of women aren't applying maybe to be brewers because they just like never even brewed before like they've never tried it so i think it's also like how do we get more women home brewing because when you get women home brewing they get excited about it and then they're maybe more likely to apply for brewing programs um, in terms of like sales and marketing in breweries, I don't know. I mean, I think there's quite a few women at this point in the front of house stuff. Um, but I think it also takes like awesome male, especially again, if you're, uh, if the brewery's owned by men, like really awesome guys that foster and mentor women as well. Right. And like are cool to, um, understand that they need to have a good, balanced workforce at the brewery you know and and making sure they think about that when they're hiring does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah i i want to figure out how to ask this question but i want to talk about the tendency to like name beers just stupid stupidly sexist (laughs) things like how i I don't know if you have like there's no answer to that but like i think it's improved do you think generally that this is an industry and 
in Ontario that's gotten more inclusive and more aware. I feel like they're more aware. Yeah. Like remember when like kind of when I started, there were some pretty questionable names, you for know, sure. here and there, for sure. And there's definitely even up to three or four years ago, you know. Um I'm sure if we want to talk names, we can, but you know, like I've done it uh, before. I've called them all out. They, I, yeah. New. yeah. And there's been a lot of mistakes made, you know, and I think, I think one thing is that you and other guys and other people on social media, which is great, are really quick to like call that shit out and hopefully change it relatively fast. Like, obviously, you know, um, if like there's hundred thousand cans printed from a brewery, maybe it's going to take a couple years to go through it. You know, mm -hmm. I understand that there might be production uh, issues, but for the most part, if it's a one-off beer or if it's seasonal or something like that, um, yeah, change that, you know, don't brew it again, calling it that, you know? And I think, I think overall, yes, it's gotten better for sure. But uh, yeah, there's been some funny, funny names for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting to see, like, even when I, when I, when I first wrote about it, uh, yeah. um, some of the people that were kind of defensive about it have changed. Like okay. even then they're like, it's not a big deal, but they've obviously yeah. like farmer's daughter used to have that ridiculous. Oh, yeah. You can see nipples on the fucking the melons thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, then, no. yeah. And naughty neighbors yeah. change. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That looks great. I remember there was that Clementine gone wild uh, oh, yeah. controversy at side lunch, which was so fascinating. Cause it was like yeah. a women owner and lots of women reps. And it was like, created like how did that happen you know so yeah that yeah, came up again. in one of my talks with garnet she was like that was one of my I, she's like i still think about that all the time how oh. how did i let that happen while yeah. i was there and that's the thing like when you work at a brewery obviously things happen really fast there's insane deadlines i'm not excusing it i'm just saying that like i can see where like how it might have fallen through the cracks or not there wasn't enough people at the table talking about it. It was like yeah. two people quickly by a tank being like, okay, we need to get this label in. Does it look good? And they showed it on their phone. Okay, cool. Let's go to print, you know, yeah. without having a smart conversation about it. So yeah. Plan your beers better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we've gotten various better. Voices. I think we've gotten better. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's a, I mean, puns are fun. I love a good pun. And Me then too. you have like all dudes probably <laughs> drinking, like it's going to get yeah. stupid, but just have some yeah. filters of your marketing team before it hits a shelf. Totally. Totally. I think there's definitely like overall kind of more masculine or bro-y kind of brands, but they're not, they're more implicit. Like they're not screaming like sports and football and cars and kind of like quote unquote guy things like i think it's more that sounds of, like a good beer i want that. <laughs> cars and uh, <laughs> uh yeah like i think it's just like there's certain breweries like i'm just gonna throw i don't know dominion city like they're a perfect example of like they're just a great solid brand all around there's no gender there's no it's just like everybody's beer you know anybody can enjoy that beer yeah. and then there's some brands that kind of lean towards a little more i don't know masculine and maybe exclude people without them realizing it yeah sure. who are they again you want to call them? <laughs> <laughs> nope nope yeah. nope no I, it's true i do like simplicity in a label not a for the you're not going to offend anyone as soon as you start yeah. putting caricatures or cartoons or people on there like guess, someone's yeah. going to fuck up it's going to get weird mm -hmm, but i mm -hmm. love the simple like, like you had a can of abling earlier great branding minion mm -hmm. city yeah. Mm -hmm. matron's really great i don't even totally. know we're just talking about cool cans <laughs> willibald you know yes. just all those slake all those guys yeah that's right so so what still needs to improve 
I feel like I'm so out of the bubble right now. <laughs> I'm like in the middle of mat leave in a pandemic. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, remember when you worked in beer? Try yeah, to go back to the time you were working. In I know. Um, you know, I'll just speak about my job. Like I worked on premise sales. Um, so my job is running around the city of Toronto, selling beer to bars and restaurants. And I've developed obviously quite a thick shell. You just like, wait, thick skin. Thick skin. Thick skin. Damn it. I suck at expression. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, a yeah, thick skin about, uh, about dealing with, you know, predominantly male barners that I think, uh, you know, treat women reps slightly differently. Uh, so I've, I've spent, you know, six, seven years figuring out how to best manage that. But I think that's a challenge is how do you get female reps feeling safe and feeling good about, doing business at some of these bars, some of these sports bars downtown, uh, some of these small mom and pop shops. I've heard some, you know, funny stories about how women reps are treated. They've been given gifts, like flirtatious gifts by female, uh, sorry, by male bar owners, um, just been hit on, you know, and then you get the text message uh, relationship because you're selling them beer every week and that's just how it is. And then it just gets a little uh, weird. The and weird so midnight one. The weird them. creepy <laughs> text, you know, so yeah. I'm used, to, you know, you get used to it, but I'm not saying it's right. But I think that that's something is um, females fe- feeling good about like feeling safe and comfortable in those kind of roles in like sales roles, for sure. Yeah. That yeah, that really it. is the front line, right? And that yeah. I mean, I've worked, I worked in restaurants all through universe, like, yeah, it's a fucking sketchy like, hive of villainy. Like there's some bad people working. Totally. In and then you add on to the fact that a lot of your job as a rep is going in with a statement and being like, hi, uh, and trying to persuade them to give you a check for $3,000 because right. they haven't paid in 60 days. So there's, you know, then the relationship gets weird and, and kind of aggressive and you have to figure all that out. So um, not, I don't think I've ever felt unsafe per se, but I've definitely felt uncomfortable, you know, yeah, and, just a little um, greasy, I feel my right? male counterparts maybe didn't. Yeah. yeah a little weird. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so what's something that would surprise people about life as a beer rep? Cause it does <laughs> seem a little glamorous on paper. Mm-hmm, I mean, you're mm-hmm. just slinging beer and hanging <laughs> out at bars. Yeah. Um, to be, you drink a lot. I mean, that doesn't surprise anyone that's exactly what it looks like from the outside yeah you gotta watch that but um I feel yeah uh what's surprising I guess as I said like the amount of AR you do the amount I mean I guess every brewery is different some of the really big breweries um really handle AR from like at the brewery with a person at like and you just go in as support here and there if needed but for the most part most reps are also serving as like accounts receivable people so I like the challenge of asking bars for money I like being trying to find a solution and being creative about it but it is hard and it is um a big part of the job you know um what else I guess like getting your kegs back a lot of it's just Mm. like doing drops like picking up empty kegs dropping off glassware dropping off coasters you know just it's not even like hard selling it's just a lot of like maintenance and like supporting that tap or supporting your presence at that bar yeah yeah hey come get your kegs or hey i want my kegs back and yeah yeah exactly (laughs) yeah so who knows what world we'll come back to when this is all over but uh yeah, I mean, that was kind of the, the, you know, the biggest challenges in my job for sure. 
You seem super friendly, Erica. Do you have like a like a mean, tough side when you're trying to collect <laughs> empty kegs or unpaid bills? Uh, yeah, I feel, yeah, I do. I can get kind of, a, <laughs> yeah. I'm just in like, again, I'm in like postpartum mat leave bliss right now. So I'm like, yay, I don't have to work right now. It's great. And yeah, working in a pandemic would be challenging. So um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely, I can put on my like, pay your fucking bill face. <laughs> okay. All right. Just a sample, yeah. just a sample. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what are the kind of things you would hear, I guess, the last time you were out in the before times, what do you hear from accounts in terms of like, in my head, I imagine they always want the next best thing. Like, oh, don't bring me that, you know, mm. you brought me that last week. Like I want something new. How often, how, how yeah. true is that? Um, I feel like with collective arts and with Henderson, I feel like they have such strong core brands that it was a lot of balance. Like you definitely have a ton of accounts are like, what's new, what's exciting, what's the next hour, what's the next seasonal, what's the next one off. But, um, my favorite part of selling is trying to connect them to like, take best on tap and keep it on tap. And don't worry about all this other stuff. We're not that brewery. Like if you want to do that, go to, I don't know. There's like 8,500 other breweries that you could just get rotating 30s of crazy stuff. Like I like building a relationship and having like one or two brands on, you know, that's, and it's, once you do that, it's so not easy, but it's like, then it just rolls. You've got the tap and you just maintain that relationship with that bar. So I've never been a fan of that kind of selling. Like I use it as almost a secondary thing. Like if you take food truck or if you take rhyme and reason, or if you take, one of our cores, then you almost, it's like, then I'll let you yeah, yeah. Uh, take our seasonal. You know, I don't want you just taking our kettle sours and not even thinking about our other core brands that actually make us money, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of having that relationship where you can, or like put up, put at least our beer in cans and then put our crazy stuff on, on draft, you know? So it's like figuring out that kind of balance. Yeah. Um, I think that's yeah. a common refrain, like take our yeah. flagship and then we'll rotate stuff through, but you gotta, yeah. you gotta take the flagship or whatever. Yeah. And I'm also seeing that most bars too, a lot of them are kind of shifting gears and not just rotating like crazy. Like a lot of bars want are kind of exhausted with that. And then they wind up having hundred empty kegs in their basement and it's just a lot to manage. Mm -hmm. They'd rather work with 12 companies and just like have good relationships and pay 12 companies and that's it, you know? So you're starting to see, I think a little bit, maybe just in Toronto, but a little bit more like bars are just exhausted. <laughs> They're like, we don't need to work with, you know, 80 companies. We can just work with 12 and, and lock that in, you know, make that flow better. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I wish bars would do that. Honestly, Chris and yeah. I we do have a local, it's like a 10 minute walk from both of our houses. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like a neighborhood spot. It's called bungalow. I'll just name them. Oh, but, yeah. uh, they, uh, they have way too many taps. Like it's a neighborhood yeah. bar. Nobody yeah. in there is drinking. Like I need to drink seasonals every time I'm there. Like yeah. half the people that go in there and drink crack canoe and then yeah. there's like 25 taps. Mm -hmm. It's way too much beer for that kind of crowd. So I'm like, give me like 12 taps. You always yeah. have order. You always have a lot, like just. Yeah. So I don't totally. know. Like when you think of your favorite bars to drink at just again in Toronto, it's like, for me, I love the queen and beaver. I love old spot. I love house on parliament. Maybe I'm just old, <laughs> but I love, <laughs> I love pubs, I guess, you know, and I love just like walking in and I definitely love going to Volo and bar hop and 
uh, versed in all those places and, I, and trying stuff. But I also like knowing that I can go into House on Parliament and I can always get the same beer, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of fun. <laughs> so we talked about getting tap lines and I'm not going to make you get into the th- the things you've maybe done for companies you work for, but I always, it's been a thorn. I've always talked about this, you know, the, the incentives that are out there, but where reps are throwing around cash, it's technically illegal. We all know what happens. Mm-hmm. So like, do you still get like crazy? Like, Hey, you want a tap line? It's 10 grand. Like I've heard as much as 10 grand. I know which bar asked for it and which brewery said they do it. Like it happens. <laughs> but do you hear crazy stuff like that still? not 10 grand no no, no that was the that I've was the craziest that, but, uh, that's the craziest that one such, I heard. yeah that was, that was a, <laughs> that's a big one um i've i've definitely heard of that it's like help us build our bar and then you get a tap you know it's not necessarily just like hey can i have a thousand dollars for yeah. like it, it they usually tie it into something like we need some money to like build this draft system um but yes uh usually it's you know you hear it for sure mostly like big corporate downtown bars yeah. that are like at king and bay or something like that you know but. just randomly picking that intersection I'm trying to think what bars there oh i don't know uh <laughs> queen of that <laughs> at craft tats uh, i don't know no 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 earls oh my gosh earls <laughs> yeah who knows yeah earls but um yeah it happens here and there but it's it's being smart about it and having that conversation being like look if you if you go to the big guys and put a couple taps of them on you know and get the money from them i hate to say it then that frees you up and then you can bring on some craft taps you know and help us get the money from them you know what i mean we don't have the money so well it's always felt like a losing game to smaller breweries to me like it's not sustainable like you okay i'll I'll put in a draft line no. for you or I'll give you all patio umbrellas or whatever. And, and maybe you keep my beer on for six months and there's no guarantees like it, but then you're known as the brewery there's, that does yeah, that. There's no great. Yeah. There's no like contracts. Obviously you would never want to do that. Oh, I've been That's looking for them. I haven't found so. any on paper yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So what's a trend that has uh, surprised you just in your years in beer? Like what are you like? Wow. I didn't see that coming. Uh, I guess I never, figured that we'd be drinking lagers the way that we're drinking them now you know I guess we never saw a pandemic happening that everybody just wants <laughs> nice dependable lagers but uh yeah I think that was something you know when I started at even at collective arts what five years ago four years ago I mean hoppy beers are still like a huge thing and everything but um all I want to do is drink pilsners right now and lagers and I feel like that is kind of a or really low ABV session beers you know I feel like that's kind of the, the big trend right now um and also the stubby can I don't think anybody really saw that stubby can coming you know the tall can everybody was switching so fast and furious what six six years ago from the 341 mil bottle and the 650 mil bottle into tall boys and then all of a sudden these stubbies just like exploded as well so that was something interesting and the fact that the LCBO takes them now and is open to that and um that format so yeah, I'd say those I, two things. Yeah, that was actually that came up on one an episode we've recorded. We haven't aired yet, but it's like it's like whatever we don't currently have is like the cool thing. Like I remember it was all yeah. tall boys, and we're like, oh, short cans, short cans are so cool. Yeah, now, now prowlers are gonna be next. Yeah. I think we're going back to long neck bottles. <laughs> oh, I like, hope so. I saw a couple of those. I'm like, I remember drinking right out of a long neck bottle. There's just something cool about that. Like, not yeah. nostalgic for that. Or we're gonna switch to that. Remember that Duggins 330 mil 
number nine bottle. Yes. Maybe it'll just like switch to mini bottle, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. the 330 mil. That was like something. one. Yeah, they had one of those in the LCBO, right? Yeah, the number nine. I remember it was always at that Dundas and Dovercourt LCBO by Getwell. And that was one of my, you'd always pick that up when you popped into that LCBO. They had, they had them, <laughs> the Forest Hill one in the Loblaws. They had it too. That was my LCBO back in the oh, day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Could it go even smaller? Uh, I was in Europe uh, a couple of years ago and they had 200 mil cans, which were... Whoa great for just just a little taste while i was driving around with my family i don't want too much anyway so a little four percent 200 mil while you're drink driving all day. while you're driving <laughs> that's a driving beer no just <laughs> so they mark no it no comment no not while i was driving but anytime <laughs> no. we stopped anytime yeah, we stopped have a little sip yeah that's a nice little size that's like a cup you know 250 mils of of beer a little half so, beer a little half beer that's yeah, not that's enough cute. That's, that's never gonna trend it'd be good for like a barley wine like barley wines and russian imperial stouts in mini cans and even then <laughs> it's just a taste there's something yeah like rubber pint yeah, yeah that's true that size for me that's fair um so you, now that you have built the um society of beer drinking ladies into an empire <laughs> oh my gosh not really well what's next i mean you guys have done a lot like uh Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, would you need to be, let me put it this way. Mm-hmm. Do you need to be a rep or would the society <laughs> of beer drinking ladies pay the bills? I feel you're going to ask, ask you this. Uh, <laughs> we're kind of in, on the fence, Jamie and I, you know, like Jamie's at Bose. I'm like on mat leave thinking about my next moves, like obviously Henderson, but figuring out where I'm going to maybe go next. Uh, and I don't know, like, Sorry, we Henderson, could... if you're listening. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I'm going back to Henderson. All good. But <laughs> Um, yeah, like we, we, for a couple of years, we've always been like, do we just like go for it? Do we open a brewery? Do we open a brew pub? Do we get investors? Do we hit the big time? Like, what are we doing? You know, but I think for now, um, we, I kind of like treating it as like a side hustle that, um, it, it does, it's not stressful that way. We're just having fun with it. Um, it makes us some money for sure. Uh, we get to take chances. We get to like, Uh, donate a lot of money I don't know I don't know what the next step is like in terms of big time Um, but obviously we have goals with the LCBO we have goals to get our events back hopefully when we can Um, I've wanted to franchise we get a lot of questions from other places in Canada and even in the states to open chapters Um, so that could be something that we pursue obviously that would take a lot of work. That's like a full-time gig. So that could be like our next move is franchising our concept, our events and our, I don't know. And also we could be brewing beer in other provinces and selling it in those provinces. So there's, there's definitely lots of like opportunity. There's lots of growth and it's just kind of figuring out what we want to press play on, you know, but um, yeah, right now I feel like from last year to this year, like we've got the beers, we got the holiday pack this year at the LCBO. That was pretty cool. And we're going to be working uh, with Shiny Cider more, uh, maybe with an LCBO skew, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So that's <laughs> kind of cool. Um, so things are things are chugging along and um, I don't know, we'll get there or maybe nice. not, but <laughs> I think we will. What's the cider like? <laughs> I don't know yet. We're still in, we're still figuring it out, like what we want to do. Um, I don't know that world very well. Like I'm figuring out like flavor profiles and what sells on the shelf and 
what's a smart ABV, what's a smart price point. Like that's a whole nother world. I sold cider with collective arts, um, the two or three cans they have, but, um, yeah. And also for us, like, how do we market it properly? Cause we're the society of beer drinking ladies. How do we get it? Shot on? Yourself in the how do we name? do it? We're going to have to get in. We're going to have to trademark a new name of society of cider drinking ladies. I don't know. It's a society of drinking ladies. And then you can brand <laughs> yeah. across all types. <laughs> energy drink, drinks, water, kombucha, yeah. <laughs> you know, energy. Yeah. We'll get into flavored coffee beverages. Yeah. Nice. So did you guys ever do an event? You did a collab in London. Did you do an event in London? Uh, no, no. We've brewed with London Brewing Co-op twice and yeah. we did a little launch event. Like we, we launched the beer there, but, okay. uh, no, we haven't done an event in London. Okay. Uh, well, when this thing's over, you I can know. do one here. Chris and I will, Chris and I will pour beer at it. So we're allowed to go. We can, we can, you can have one in London. <laughs> cool. In your backyard. We can do that. <laughs> we'll go, I, we'll go lo-fi. Yeah. I just put in a pool. Let's get it. I got to get Ooh. my money's worth out of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, thanks for doing the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And yeah, uh, yeah I love what you guys are doing. I, I listen to it all the time. It's great. Thanks. Nice thanks chatting so with you, Erica. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.